If you're able to remain standing, I would invite you to do so. Either way, please take a Bible and let's turn to Matthew chapter 25. This morning we want to begin reading at verse 14 and read down through verse 30. That could be found on page 830 if you would like to use a Bible from the church. There should be one right there in front of you in that pew rack. Just grab that, turn to page 830. Otherwise, Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. These are God's words for us this morning. And here's what God says. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five more talents. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reaped where I had not sown and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have in abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping, and gnashing of teeth. You may be seated. 
Father, thank you for your word. For there is no word like your word. Every word of yours is true. Father, it's not just old truth, although it's been around for a while. It is It is pertinent and relevant and necessary for us today. It is alive and living and active. And so our prayer is that as we look at your word this morning, that the very very spirit who penned these words through Matthew would now etch these words in our hearts, that we would behold wonderful things, that you would meet with us through your word, that you would alter us and change us. For we pray this. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are moving through the summer, taking various stopovers at different parables that our Lord Jesus told. This morning, our stopover is here in Matthew 25. Now remember, parables make comparisons. They tell a story, or they point out an object or a thing, and that story or object is used to be a point of comparison to an important truth, to a vital reality in our lives. The parable that we've just read from is commonly known as the parable of the talents. Really, the parable of the talents, as it's laid out here in Matthew 25, is really a a cluster of uh, connected parables that Jesus told uh, that find its connection to his return. For instance, look at uh, verse 3 of Matthew 24, so a chapter before this. This kind of sets the stage for... Jesus' section of teaching here, but also the unpacking of the parables of which the parable of talents is one. It says, And he sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? When will these things unfold, these future things, these things that Jesus had been talking about and then proceeds to talk some more about? When will these things happen, and and when are you coming back? One of the things he says about the issue of when is, um, I don't know, and you don't know. We don't know. For instance, look at chapter 24, verse 36. But concerning the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Or in verse 42 of chapter 24, Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day the Lord is coming. Or verse 50 of chapter 24. It says, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and in an hour he does not know. Or in chapter 25, verse 13, the verse just preceding the parable that we've just read. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. When are you coming back? I don't know. And if I, if I did know, I wouldn't tell you. Well, that's really helpful. Well, what does he tell us? He tells us how, not when, but how. How are we to live before you return? And he explains this how through a series of three parables. At the end of chapter 24, verses 45 through 51, he tells a parable of what I would call two servants. And someone has observed that the one-word description of the how, how are we to live, out of that first parable is we are to be watchful. And then in the first 13 verses of Matthew 25, the parable of the ten bridesmaids or ten virgins, uh, how? Well, one word is wait. We are to watch for the return of the Lord. We are to wait for the return of the Lord. And then the parable that we've read, the parable of the talents, is a third dimension to the answer of how. How do you want us to live until you return? We are to watch for your return. We are to wait until you return. And the essence of this parable that we've just read is that we are to work. We are to work. Faithful and diligent work is to describe the lives of those who are waiting for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's three different servants described here in the parable that we've just read, and they are entrusted with responsibility. The master gives them what's called here talents, and then he departs. Now, they each are given differing amounts of talents. The one is given five talents, the other is given two talents, and then the third guy is given one talent. Now, when you and I today hear the word talent, we think of abilities, don't we? That guy there, he's talent, talented, said no one ever of me. But uh, why is that funny? Um, but that's not what Jesus meant when he used the word talent. In that day and age, a talent was a, 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 measure, a scale of measurement, probably a measurement of weight, probably about 75 pounds. Well, you can figure out how many talents you are. But anyway, um, and, but so just he gives them, it doesn't tell us uh, 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 how much of what. He just gives a, a, a talent. One he gives five talents, 75 pounds of something. The other one he gives um, uh, two talents, no, two times 75. The other one he gives five talents, five times 75. Uh, a, a talent of what? Well, we don't know. May, maybe gold. Maybe silver. By today's standards, if they, 
a, a, a talent, 75 pounds of gold, uh, would be about, as of Friday afternoon, uh, $1.7 million. So two talents would be, quick, $3.4 million. And five talents, now we're talking Freddie's money, now we're, uh, five talents would be $8.5 million. Or maybe it was silver. By today's standards, as of, uh, as of yesterday afternoon, uh, a 75 pounds of silver would be about $21,000. Uh, so uh, two talents would be $42,000, and five talents would be, what, $105,000? Or, I don't know, something like that. You get the, you get the, but in other words, each servant, each steward was entrusted by, their ma- the, by the master with a certain amount of, of his own resources. He leaves. While he's gone, the first two take what they've been given and they work and engage in commerce and they double what their master had entrusted with them. So when the master gets back, the guy who had five now has 10, the guy who had two now has four, and yet the third guy, who was given one talent, comes back with one talent. Now, one thing I would add to this story is you're like, well, how come the one guy got five and the other guy got two and the other guy got one? I mean, I mean, if, you, if you're paying attention to what is going on in America with social envy, what you hear is a collective, that's not fair. I mean, the master should have given everybody the same amount. And I think the fundamental flaw in our own culture is that we don't understand that equality does not always work itself out in sameness. That's a huge light bulb moment when you realize that we can each equally be human and, and, and not be the same. We're told here that the, the master didn't just do this whimsically. Uh, he didn't do it just without thought. Verse 15, to one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, to another he gave one, to each according to his Ability. Now, there's the word ability there. The, the master assessed the ability of his servants. And I would suggest to you what that implies is the, the master knew his servants. The master sized up his servants. The master looked at the character and the capabilities and the capacities of his servants and said, this guy can handle five talents. This guy will be good with two talents. And this guy needs one talent. That doesn't sound very American. Well, Jesus is not an American. 
I mean, I'm not ungrateful for being an American, but you understand that, that you know, there's a whole different set of understandings going on in our relationship with, with God. Our God knows us. And our good God, who, who loves each of his children, will dispense different responsibilities and callings and obligations in a custom, customized fashion in proportion to what our master believes we should be entrusted with. So the master returns. To the first two, did you notice that he says the exact same thing? These, the one guy takes his five and comes back with ten. The, the one guy takes his two and comes back with four. And, 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 and look at verse 21, look at verse 23, and tell me if you see any difference in what the master says, even though the one has brought back more, so to speak. Verse 21, uh, his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful, um, over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. But that's what he said to the guy who started with five and now comes back with 10. What does he say to the guy who started out with two and now comes back with four? I'm thinking about hearing something different here because, well, I was trained in old school math and what I know is that four is still less than 10. What does he say? Verse 23. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. That pretty much says the same thing. The one guy comes back with 10, the other guy comes back with four, and the, the fourfold commendation is the same for each man. The master approves, well done. The master praises, good and faithful servant. The master um, grants more responsibility. <laughs> You've been faithful over a little. I'm going to put you over much. And the, the master rewards him. Enter into the joy of your master, the presence of your, of your master. I wonder why he said the same thing when ten's more than four. Why? Because the heartbeat of what is going on is not about outcome. The heartbeat of what is going on is faithfulness. They were each faithful with what the Lord entrusted to them. That's what the master requires of us. 
You don't have to walk in, in what's expected of the faithfulness of this person or that person. You and I just have to walk in the faithfulness of what's expected before God for us. The responsibilities that he puts in front of us are the responsibilities to which we are faithful. We're not responsible for someone else's responsibilities. We are responsible before God for the things that he has put in our path. We are to stay in our lane. The third third servant has a different outcome. The outcome is different Because the faithfulness is absent. He has done nothing with his funds except bury them. Which, by the way, did you read in the news, was it the week before last, that some farmer in his field in Kentucky unearthed what is somewhere between one to two million dollars of 150-year-old gold coins it's, it goes back to, they think it goes back to, to, to the 1860s. Probably someone buried it to hide it from Civil War battles or whatnot. I mean, just the other day I was thinking to myself, I wonder where I put my 150-year-old gold coins. <laughs> to which my wife said, it's probably where you left it. I'm, well, see, it's mine, isn't it? That's where I left it. I left it in a, Actually, they've not revealed the guy's name nor the town uh, because, uh, well... <laughs> Another gold rush, but uh, but this guy buries it, and uh, I don't know if we should make much out of this or not. But but this guy's more wordy. <laughs> he talks more than he works. You work with people like that, don't you? But, but, you know, he's got this figured out. He's a bona fide expert on what to do with, uh, uh, with the talents. Um, uh, and, 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 and he's got a really good reason as to why he shouldn't be a faithful steward with what's been entrusted with him. It's the master's fault. He says there, um, master, verse 24 Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered your seed. So I was afraid. I know what kind of master you are. You're... <clears throat> he was not only rejecting the responsibilities that was entrusted to him, this, is, this gets kicked up a whole lot bigger notch than he just didn't do what he was told to do. He doesn't just reject the responsibility set in front of him. He, 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 go, he goes in for it all. He re, tries to repudiate his master. And he receives. He hears. Not the commendation that the other two had heard, but he receives a fierce condemnation. Where's that at? Verse 26, but his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. He hears not approval, well done, 
but he hears rejection, wicked. He hears not praise, good and faithful servant, but slothful servant. He hears correction. He hears not the giving of additional responsibilities. You've been faithful over a little. I would set you over much. But he experiences loss of privilege. What you have will be taken from you. And he has given not reward, but punishment. Cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, permit me to unpack. For what we've seen here is there is a responsibility that was given. There is a responsibility that you and I are given. And there is a report that they will give. There is a report that you and I will give. Which servant will you and I more closely resemble? Will we be a faithful servant? Good and faithful servant? Or will we be a wicked and slothful servant? In terms of what we've been entrusted with. They were given different responsibilities. They were given identical praise, at least the first two were, and identical reward. And let me just hit the pause button right here because um, it's really important that we don't uh, confuse our categories and um, try to teach an untrue thing from this text of Scripture. This parable is not teaching that you and I earn our salvation. The Bible does not teach that. The Bible does not teach that by our works that you and I merit a right standing before God. And yet, as sure as I say that, we would throw in another caveat that would say, and even though you and I don't earn our salvation by our works, neither does a passage like this downplay the importance of works in our lives, not so as to earn salvation, but so as to evidence our salvation. To say that we're not saved by our works does not mean that works are irrelevant to our experience in our lives, particularly for those of us who name the name of Jesus. This passage is starting with an assumption. These guys are not working to earn the status of servant. They are already established as servants of their master. 
Bible calls us who name the name of Jesus. It certainly calls us sons of God, but it also calls us servants of God. That's a gift. If you and I have been given that tag or that title, that's a gracious gift from God. We didn't earn the right to be called servants of God. God kindly, on the basis of Jesus, grants us the status of servant of God. But as servants of God who didn't earn that description or that title, we are called to live responsibly before the God to whom we call Master and Lord. We are called to live faithfully. Our salvation is not grounded in our faithfulness, but our salvation, apart from our works, is grounded in Christ and his faithfulness. And our salvation grounded in Christ is received not through our works but through our faith. And yet, when we receive Christ and we receive all that is freely ours from Christ, that should give rise in our souls to a life of faithful works. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. This passage was so crucial in February of 1980 when I come to understand the Lord Jesus and my need for him. It says in 8 and 9 of Ephesians 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. Now, in February of 1980, I never saw the next verse. I just understood, and, it was imp- and that's what I needed at that moment, because I had come out of a background that taught me that I had to work my way to heaven, uh, that, that, that it would be the accumulation of my good works that would set God up on notice, uh, and that I would earn or merit or, or, um, or uh, supply my salvation by my works. And God used that passage in an important way to show me that I cannot rely upon myself and my efforts and my works to merit my salvation. I must rely solely upon Jesus. That comes to me by the grace of God, and and I experience it through the instrument of faith wherein I receive Jesus and all that he has done and all that he provides. And yet God in his kindness eventually said, Hey, Joe, I got another verse right after that one. I don't even remember when it was, but sometime a couple of years after that, because my first response was that I'm not going to do any works because I don't want to give any insinuation that I might be trying to earn my salvation. I think that's where a lot of people are at. We're, 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 we, we overcorrect. We say, well, I don't believe that, that works earns my salvation. Well, Good, because the Bible doesn't teach that. So we conclude, so therefore, I'm not about to do any works. Well, you don't understand the, the rest of how Scripture explains and unpacks these things for us. Verse 10 of Ephesians 2, coupled with, for it is, where it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. And then it says in verse 10, for we are his workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus for good works. In other words, to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are not saved by our works, but we are given the opportunity to evidence, to express this wonderful free gift of salvation by the inclination of our hearts to work gladly, happily, obediently, faithfully, responsibly before our God. Our works matter. Our works matter to God. Our work matters to God. Our works, as we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, gives glory to God. Our works glorify God. These servants wanted to honor their master, so they busied themselves by carrying out faithfully the responsibilities that they were entrusted to by their master. They wanted to glorify their master, honor him, you and I. It is good to work. It is good to do works. Or when we work, well, we get to look a lot like our God. Our God is a worker God. And he created us in his image to be worker creatures. For when we work, we do similarly to what God does when he works. When he works, he serves others. When you and I work, we have the opportunity to serve others in terms of the goods or services that we provide, but also just simply in terms of the consequence of working, we get paid and we're able to to then serve and supply others in other ways as well. But it doesn't have to be work. Any nature of works is, is, is fulfilling the calling that God has entrusted uh, to us. And so that begs the question then, what has the Lord entrusted to you? For some of you, at this present moment, he's given children. You are entrusted with these precious lives. And you are given them, painting with a broad stroke, based upon God's perception of what he has readied and fitted you to take on. Brothers were given grandchildren. For all of us, we are entrusted with our lives itself. Now, what I mean by that is you and I have a certain measure of stewardship, of responsibility to use and manage ourselves properly. By the habits that we cultivate into our souls, by the practices and the patterns by which we treat our bodies, we are understanding that this body is not my own. And therefore, the way I treat it is an act of stewardship before the God who has entrusted me that body. 
So I have neither the permission nor would it be wise for me to mistreat my body. It would be wise for me to treat my body appropriately, not as an end in itself, but so that I understand that I am a steward of this body, this life that the Lord has given to me. I want it to be a lean, mean fighting machine, (laughs) so to speak. Why? 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 So that I could, I I would have strength and energy and focus and abilities to serve the Lord, to do my work and to do good works. For others, the stewardship is a church obligation or opportunity that he's set in front of you. For others, it is school responsibilities and obligations he has set in front of you. For others, it's work obligations that he has set in front of you. Our lives are orchestrated, coordinated by the good hand of our master, our God. He has put us right where he wants us. This is right here. This is, this is what I want. This is where I want you to be at. And, I, 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 and I've assessed you, and I, and I believe this is where you should be. And uh, you are now called to live as a faithful steward with what I've given you, with where I've placed you. So I would ask, do you begrudge what the Lord has given you? Do you ever feel, or when you ever feel, not if, is there bitterness that festers up? Is there self-pity that tries to seize hold of our lives? Why? Because of the providential placement uh, that the Lord has put us in. Oh, these children, these children, all these children, these children are driving me crazy. Who are you saying that to? You're really, I'll answer that question for you. You're saying that to the Lord who has given you the blessing of children. You are begrudging the stewardship of precious children. You're acting not like a good and faithful servant. You're acting like a wicked and lazy servant. Oh, this job, this job, this job, this job, this job. Oh, the job, the job. Who are you talking to? You you remember a year ago or five years ago when you said, praise God, I've gotten a job. Lord, thank you for the job. Now you're saying, what was he thinking? I filtered that into any and 
any, any of our obligations, any of our responsibilities? Do we begrudge where the Lord has placed us? Do we begrudge what the Lord has given to us? And a, a counterbalance to that, do we begrudge what the Lord has not given to us? Are we content or are we filled with envy? If only I had what they have. Well, you've not been given what they have because the master who loves you hasn't given you that. I know I'm saying that so matter-of-factly. I know that it's, it's, it's just so much funner and easier for me to talk about this than it is for me to actually fold it into my own life. Oh, if only I could do what that person could do. Oh, boy, then I would just be... But when you look at this passage, the master's response is is not rooted in what they did or the outcome of what they brought back to the master, but their work was rooted in their view of the master. Are you happy that you have the master that you have? Or are you stuck with the meanie? Well, that gets demonstrated by how you and I serve the Lord faithfully and responsibly. And that's a hard word, and I'll just close with this. You and I can be, you and I can become Faithful stewards living out responsibly exactly where the Lord has placed us. And I'll tell you why you and I can be and become faithful stewards. And that is because you and I in Christ Jesus are loved and rescued and kept by the one who is the faithful steward. In John 6, 37, he says, all that the Father has given to me will come to me. And then two verses later, he says, and and I will lose none that has been given to me. We are in the hands of the faithful steward. Therefore, it shouldn't be odd that a little resemblance starts to, to peek out in our lives. Being in relationship with the faithful steward should filter into us becoming faithful stewards with all that God has given to us. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for how you love us and how in your son you have rescued us and how by your grace you keep us and yet how you put things in our lives that we would show that you are a good master. So, Father, our prayer is that mindful of you, mindful of the kind of God that you are, may we show ourselves to be faithful stewards with all that you've given to us. For we pray this in Jesus' name.